This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly. I'm Anthony Weiner filling in for James Golden today. I'll be with you until 5 and when we hand off the microphone then to John Katzmatidis for his top-rated drive-time show, Cats at Night. It's great to have you along. If you're listening to Restor Radio all up and down the East Coast, late at night, we can hear it even in Europe, you can download the app, wabcradio.com. If you want to be part of the show, you are perhaps the most important part of the show. This is your show, not mine, 800-848-WABC, 800 848 9222. Avery would take your call. Joe is on the board helping me out, and Ava is running air traffic control. It is great to be back today. It is great to have the really great honor of filling in for for the great James Golden. Um, he is going to be back this week for sure. The whole city is gradually coming back a little bit. This is the last day of the new year. I hope uh, for the last day of the New Year's holiday. I hope you had a an amazing 2022, a sweet holiday. I hope it was a healthy one. I hope it was one that that got you refreshed and renewed. Before we go any further with today's show, I just want to ask all of you, our listeners, um, to join me and all the folks here at ABC, 77 ABC, and in keeping the two officers who were attacked this weekend at, um, at Times Square. Amazingly, they both left the hospital. Officer Luis, uh, I guess it's uh, Lorio and uh, Paul Casalino. And Casalino, who's a rookie, just graduated from the police academy, suffered a fractured skull. And Iorio, who's been around for eight years from Staten Island, um, both released from the hospital. A third officer who actually also a rookie who shot the, the guy that did this. Let's keep them in our prayers. It's great that they're home. It could have been a lot worse. And it's important to remember that, you know, there's a certain randomness about things. We want to find narratives. We want to find things that make things make sense. But this was random. And usually when there are random acts like this, or frequently when there are random acts like this, they're directed at men and women in uniform. And we have to keep that in mind. There's a certain, you know, there's a certain element of just 
sheer chance that sometimes when you are in uniform, when you represent the government, when you represent the authority, that someone, you know, that crazy people will try to do crazy things. And uh, we hope you keep them in your par- in your prayers. We have a great show today. We're going to dive into the big question of contemporary politics in 23. I know that sounds like an ambitious thing to do. It was posed by a caller uh, on Saturday to my show, The Middle, which is on 2 to 3 on Saturdays. Um, and it was also inspired by a big day on the calendar. Tomorrow is the swearing-in organization of New Congress. We're going to look at that pretty carefully, and I'll try to explain what I think is going to go on tomorrow, because by the time we get together tomorrow at 4, we're going to have a new speaker and a new majority, and it's going to tell a lot about the direction the country is going to go, at least in terms of the Washington drama that seems to ebb and flow, but it'll tell us a lot about that. This was a rough, rough weekend for at least some New York sports fans. Joe's wearing his Giants jersey, so maybe he's not included in that, but for those of us I mean, look, the Giants beat a team they clearly should have beaten, and that's good to see. But, you know, I think those of us who are Jet fans, whatever plans we had to enshrine Mike White on Mount Rushmore, we'll have to wait. And we're just back to, you know, I hate to say, you know, I hate to do this cliche about the same old Jets, but man, they really got our hopes up in the last few weeks. They have looked just dreadful, just dreadful. And that's got us all... A little bit bummed out. Today in hockey is the Winter Classic. Every once in a while. Now, I know I told you on the last show that I had been chastised by management by talking too much about hockey. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going I, I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory. So today is the, is the Winter Classic. The NHL, it's not a new thing anymore. They've had 36 of these games. Every once in a while they'll play a game outdoors, and today they're playing. I think it's the second game they're playing. In uh, at Fenway Park, the Bruins are playing the Penguins, and I think it's cool. You know, you see a baseball stadium that they they put a, a rink in, and um, sometimes they do a big football stadium. They've they've done it in some big places, uh, but uh, you know, two years ago, um, they did it outdoors, right on the the side of Lake Tahoe, um, and things didn't go go really great. And I'll let the Commissioner of the NHL, explain why. You got that there? That's... Sunshine has always been our enemy. I think you might, I might have talked over that. Just one more time. Sunshine <laughs> has always been our enemy. So this that's the commissioner, uh, Commissioner Bettman of the NHL, explaining the problem. He says Sunshine has always been our enemy because... Apparently, in all the research, and this is why the NHL will never truly be a top-line sport, in all their research, they didn't realize that in Lake Tahoe, even in the dead of winter, it gets pretty darn warm during the day, and the rink melted. So they had this; they had these NHL players ready to go out, and it was funny because it was, I mean, it wasn't hilarious, but for those of us who follow hockey, today they're not having that problem, although it's not quite 50 degrees in Boston. Nothing is melting. Pittsburgh is, I think, up one nothing on Boston. That's going on today. Um, And speaking of things that are weather-related and that the sun has been doing all wrong, so I spent New Year's Eve out on Long Island. My brother lives out in the in the in the Hamptons. Um, He lives. uh, He's he's an all-year-round guy out there. He has a restaurant out there and a package store. And he's the he's the talented one in the family. He's a chef. My brother Jason. And I am a guy, I, I, I admit this about myself, that I look at these big kind of communal activities that seem like they're designed for social media, and I scoff at them. 
I sometimes scoff. Even when I'm alone, I just sit in my room scoffing. So I was out there alone. Jordan and Huma are away on vacation because I've had this great opportunity to fill in during the week. And, um, and one of those activities is the annual polar bear plunge that seems to go on. It, I think it's just a new – I don't know. Maybe it's not. It seems to be just a New York thing. I think it started in Coney Island. Now it's anywhere the Atlantic Ocean shows up. And uh, I comment about this and Jason says, oh, I do that every year. And then almost as if my higher power was talking to me, my friend Eric texts me, says, hey, if you're out east, I'm going to go do this polar bear plunge. And normally, the normal Anthony Weiner response was, you guys, you guys are just phonies. You're just doing this for social media. You're a bunch of white boomers. But I realized in the category of um, things I want to be better at, I want to be less of a person that scoffs at other people's experience and admit I have a fair amount of FOMO when I look at these things this fear of missing out. So I agree to do it. I, um, I am not proud of it necessarily. I'm not making it like myself out to be some kind of a hero. I went out, I dived, I dove, divin, doved, I dove in the water, got immediately out, posed for the obligatory Facebook photo. And then, and then ran to the car as fast as I could. Uh, but that's what I did. So I feel like I don't know if I'm a real New Yorker for doing that or if I'm just on the problem with America right now. Um, but that's what I did. So uh, the new year is here. So as we celebrate the, the new year today, but it, January 3rd, which is tomorrow, is one of the very few dates that's in the actual Constitution of the United States. It wasn't always it wasn't always in there. Article one, section four was originally written to say that Congress must assemble at least once a year, quote, on the first Monday in December. But the 20th Amendment was changed that to now be January 3rd. So Congress has to meet at least once. Obviously, they meet more than once, but they have to meet at least once, and it's January 3rd. And that's tomorrow at noon. I think noon is even in the Constitution. I brought the Constitution with me. I think noon is also in the Constitution. Uh, Shall begin at noon on the third day of January unless they shall – of less – uh, unless they shall by law appoint a different day. Well, they haven't. So that happens tomorrow, and it is particularly noteworthy for a couple of reasons. First, 20 – let's see. This will be 23. I was sworn in in 99. So 24 years ago tomorrow, I was sworn in as a freshman. It is – I mean, to say that it is a remarkably meaningful day for anyone who is first to newly getting elected to Congress – and their family. It's just a remarkable thing. You know, you really do feel connected to the Constitution of the United States. You feel connected to the people that came before you. And obviously, you know, when you're someone like me, I was never I wasn't raised to like around the table. We would all say, all right, Anthony, you're going to go be a member of Congress. We were not the Kennedys in the Wiener household. My mom was a school teacher. Um, but it's a remarkable day, and you heard Noam Layton's report earlier how Santos is going to be there. But putting that aside for what one thing that it is usually not is a day of drama. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. But in this case, as you've no doubt been hearing, it really is a very dramatic day because although we know who the majority party is, it's the Republicans. It is usually a fait accompli who the speaker will be. It'll be the usually the candidate of the majority party. The majority party met as a caucus and they chose Kevin McCarthy, who's there to be their speaker candidate. But since the margins are as close as they are, uh, a rump group of Republicans has said they're not going to vote for Kevin McCarthy. So here's what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, the first thing that they do 
before they're even sworn in is they elect a speaker. It's the speaker that swears in members. And so the, the, for the, the very first thing that they do, and they do it, they do it in a way that no other votes are taken in the House. Um, uh, what'll happen is that each member will have their name, well, a couple of names will be put into nomination, and then each net member alphabetically by their last name will then cast a vote. And we'll see who – and you have to have a majority of those present in voting, which in this case is 217 because there are three members who are not voting, two that, that passed away before they can be seated and one that, that resigned to, uh, to, be, to be sworn in as mayor of, the, um, of Los Angeles. So they go through the, the alphabet, calling your name, and you stand up and say Nancy Pelosi. You stand up and say Dennis Hassel. You stand up and say you know, whoever it is, you know, whoever is running, uh, Gary Ackerman. Uh, who used to be a congressman representing Queens and Long Island, A-C-K-E-R-M-A-N, uh, used to be first or second, and he used to stand up and say, I vote for Nancy Pelosi, and I move to close the roll. That was his running joke. Everyone laughs, and then we go on. But um, And, and this, this tradition is, has, has gone on for a while. And so what is going to happen tomorrow at noon? And the answer is nobody really knows because right now the number of people committed to voting for Kevin McCarthy is not sufficient to reach 217. And what's the issue? Well, the issue here is that this group of Freedom Caucus, far-right members of the House of Representatives, has said that they want a whole bunch of things, a whole bunch of rule changes and things like that, and some think some focus of the caucus to be different, et cetera. And they don't like Kevin McCarthy, but the thing they're asking for that McCarthy can't and won't seems unwilling to do is they want the right to – they're going to change the rules because the second thing that happens after you be elected speaker immediately goes into first – the first bill is HR, whatever it is. The first one is going to be the rules package. The package – it's not HR anything. It's the rules package, how the, how the body is going to govern itself. And they want a rule put in – actually, it's, a, it's putting one back in that used to be in there – called a motion to vacate the chair, which is a privileged motion, means you can stand up at any time and do it. You don't need to go through any special process. A motion to vacate the chair. Um, it's right up there with a point of order. You can offer it at any time. And basically call, throw the place into chaos. The speaker steps down, and then you do the speaker vote all over again. And if you can just imagine what that would be like whenever one or two or three or even just a single member would be upset at something that the speaker did, they can go have a motion to vacate the chair. Now, what did Nancy Pelosi do? Nancy got rid of that. She said it's got to be a member of the leadership of the two parties that can do it. And, you know, and and no one does it because it's just because the guy would get reelected theoretically and just cause chaos. But in this case, with such a narrow margin, McCarthy knows that he wouldn't be able to lead in any substantive way. And when we get back, I'm going to try to tie this into a really interesting call that came in and have a conversation about the future of the House of Representatives and maybe the future of politics in um, in 2023. Like some some because I think this does tell us a little something about that. It's Anthony Weiner in for James Golden, the Boston Early Rush Hour. You're here. I'm so grateful that you're giving me this opportunity. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222, and we'll see you on the other side. This is The Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
Welcome back to the devotion of the Rush Hour. Anthony Weiner filling in for James Golden. That's Cheap Trick saying surrender. Which is, I guess, what Kevin McCarthy's opponents want him to do. We're talking a little bit about what to expect in this year's Congress, a little bit about what to expect. I, I guess I haven't told you what I think is going to happen here. I did make this as part of my prediction shows I, I did on Saturday. I did mention what I thought was going to happen. But, you know, some people have asked, like, do you really think that McCarthy's opponents, like, what is their fun? What is the thing that they want? Well, I want you to listen. This is a little bit of a long cut. Um, this is one. Of, this is Congressman Bob Good of Virginia. He's talking on Fox News about what's going like his take on what's going on. And listen to how the reporter pushes him to try to get to the real nub of the issue. Well, what we'll do is we'll block Kevin. There'll be, uh, I, I suspect, 10 to 15 members who will vote against him on the first ballot tomorrow uh, that will vote for Andy Biggs. Uh, but then I think you'll see on the second ballot uh, an increasing number of members vote for uh, a true uh, candidate who can represent the conservative center of the conference, can motivate the base, inspire Republicans across the country, get country, get to 218 votes, bring our conference together to fight against the uh, radical Democrat agenda, the most extreme so, agenda so, we've so ever wait, seen. Wait, wait, let me stop you there. Who is that name? We, we, here we are in the 11th yeah. hour. There are no names. Give me a name. It's not any Biggs. Any Biggs isn't going to win. Well, I'm going to resist for a few more hours what I have resisted for the last several weeks because, as you know, if we were to put forth a name right now over the last few weeks, that person would suffer all the attacks and retaliation and all the threats. So, so you don't have a name. I mean, this is, what leader? Yeah, Griff, you'll see that name tomorrow on the second ballot. All right, so there you go. So that's Congressman Good. He says that they think that there is a a handful, 10, 15 members who are going to vote against McCarthy. And then theoretically, um, and then theoretically, there will be someone else that emerges. Here's my best guess as who emerges. If this is if it's true that there is someone in waiting, remember, it has to be someone that the, the Freedom Caucus right agrees with. But also it has to be something that the people that say, um, you know, the OK caucus, only Kevin caucus, right? It's got to be both. And I think the only person I can come up with who's like that is Steve Scalise, the congressman from Louisiana who's presently the whip. So my prediction is that it's Steve Scalise. I, you know, he talked you – know, this guy talked – you know, I, I like Steve. You know, he and, he and I were baseball buddies together. As a matter of fact, you may know his name because he was shot – um, by that madman who who came to the uh, Republican congressional baseball practice, remember that a few years ago, and um, he's recovered. I mean, he's not 100 percent, but he, he's re- recovered, and he's he's widely admired by his colleagues. He's a deputy to, to McCarthy. He's loyal to McCarthy, but he is someone that might. These guys don't like Kevin McCarthy. I mean, that seems to be at the bottom line. But I think he may emerge. Now he's. <laughs> He's got a record. I mean, he's got a record. You you want to, you know, if you're interested, you can Google Steve Scalise and then the phrase David Duke without the baggage. That's what one of his colleagues described him as. I um, mean, he has some stuff in his background, but he, that's what I think is going to wind up happening. But more importantly, what does this say about what the next two years are going to be like that this handful of really fringe players in the Republican Party – you know, the, 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 the caucus, the Republican caucus, by the way, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. It's Anthony Weiner filling in for James Golden. And I want to hear what you have to say, what you, who you think it, it, it should be. You know, the Democrats are just rooting for chaos. My former colleagues are just rooting for chaos. They, there's, there's much craziness that goes on. They're loving the Santos thing. They're loving this kind of chaos. But for the country, what does this represent? And the question really was very well put. 
Um, a caller named Chris from the Poconos, who is always he always he's one of look. I've said this a thousand times. What's great about about seventy seven WABC is that the callers always bring they always you know they're kind of like their own version of of a voice from above because they always bring interesting stuff. And I'm going to play for you a little piece of a of a call from Saturday's show that kicks us off. But that segues into what I want to talk about, the future of politics. So in the Democratic Party, we have progressives, militant progressive movement, now the emergence of socialists in certain parts of New York and certain parts of the country. And then on the Republican conservative side, we have like the populist anti-government movement that was made effective by Trump. Uh, When are we going to go back to having quality candidates that run on quality problem-solving based platforms, in your opinion? So that, I mean, you can quibble with Chris's formulation, but what he's essentially saying is the left and the right seem to be dominating. The fringes of the left and the right seem to be dominating everything from whether we get compromise on bills that there's a lot of sentiment for, how we choose the most important. There's a constitutional officer, uh, you know, the speaker, this third in line to the it's right after the vice president comes the speaker. And it does seem like these fringes are controlling a lot of sway. Now, the answer to Chris's question, in my view, is as soon as both parties, the Democrats and the Republicans, show the willingness to push off those fringes and they get rewarded by the voters for doing it, that's when we got to get back to some level of normal. And I would argue that it happens a little bit all the time. Like, for example... All of the talk about the boogeyman of AOC and AOC, the socialists and everything else, those guys don't win any elections. We 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 had, you know, in, in, in the Democratic primary in 2020, we had an opportunity to choose any number of those guys. And we went with the guy that seemed like the most centrist when AOC, you know, think about this. If you if you were watching the results come in on election night 2020, it was the it, the Senate candidates that pushed off of the fringe. It was the Senate. No one was saying in that election, I want to have AOC come in for me, nor were they saying, do I want Marjorie Taylor Greene to come in on the other side? Um, So I don't believe even today the American people, the substance of the people that vote on these things really are that fringy. the, The House of Representatives is a representative body because probably there are 10 or 15 percent of the Republican Party that is that fringy. And there probably is 10 or 15 percent of the Democratic Party that is out there with the AOC wing of the party. But what has to happen is that both parties, I mean, Nancy Pelosi, you might think that she was a big AOC socialist. She wasn't. She fought like cats and dogs with, a, with the AOC wing. And Kevin McCarthy is now fighting with the Freedom Caucus you know, to even get the seat. So it has to happen. And And when does it have to happen? It has to happen when these candidates challenge mainstream candidates in a primary and and this is both this is true for both the democrats and republicans and they lose that's what has to happen kind of like what happened in 2020's election of of joe biden now you you know i know i get it you know i'm a big fan of this station i listen to all the programs i know people make it all the aocs control the democratic party Uh uh-uh she's got she's got nothing passed that's not where the the legislature most most of my former colleagues roll their eyes at AOC. She's got some influence because she's got such a big platform, and every time she opens her mouth, 
everyone flocks there. And that's true of the Marjorie Taylor Greene types and the Gates types and these other guys. Look at this guy, Good. You would not be able to pick Congressman Good out of a lineup. But now he's everyone's going to him because he's one of the, the 10 holdouts. So, you know, and the voters have the op, the voters have that. Now, I have said before, you know, I was a congressman representing fairly conservative parts of our city, Glendale, the Rockaways, Breezy, um, Sheepshead Bay. A lot of the places that I represent ha- have and had Republican representatives in the assembly and in the city council and other places. Today, right now, if I were to return to politics, putting aside all of my Michigas and all of my problems and all everything else, I would be challenged to the left just about every day, and I'd probably lose because that's the, the danger is in a primary nowadays. It's not in the general election. So when Chris poses the question, when are we going to get back to that normal? We need – I don't know if Kevin McCarthy is the person, but we need someone to kind of say to these – to the fringes, you don't run this show. Vote it, Vote no if you want, but you can't be in a position to choose – to choose the leader. And by the way, if you look at the things that Kevin McCarthy, and I don't know if Kevin McCarthy even wants my endorsement, I'm just saying, and I, by the, and I know Kevin, I don't think he'd be a particularly great speaker. I, I don't. He's not that. He's not strategic. He's not super popular with his colleagues. He's kind of, you know, he's kind of milk toasty, et cetera. I think that the way he's handled the Santos thing has been not great. I don't know why he hasn't sent in some expert or something to sit down with this poor guy and just whatever. If you, you know, he's probably not going to survive the term, but get him to be quiet, get him some professional help, whatever it is. But if you look at the things that Santos has already agreed to do, he's going to create a, a subcommittee on weaponization of the federal government. He's um, he has said that he is he is uh, going to uh, um, um, he's going to he's going to adopt a rule. That creates a select committee like the church committee that investigates intelligence agencies. He is going to uh, create a select committee on strategic competition between the United States and the communist red um, and the the communist uh, party of China. He's going to bring back the Holman rule, which allows amendments to cut salaries of specific federal workers and end specific programs. Uh, what else did he say he's going to do? He's going to he's going to say the Congressional Budget Office, which is the office that says how much things cost. They have to include the inflationary effect also of legislation. And he is going to get rid of the the rule that we now have in place that three fifths supermajority is needed to increase federal income taxes. Do I have that wrong? Restored. But, 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 but. Oh, no, he's he's going to he's going to put that back in. Anyway, the point that I'm making is he's a pretty conservative guy. But I want to hear who you all think should be the speaker. I mean, there are probably more, you know, I'm I'm pretty in touch with what's going on on Capitol Hill, but I'm not in touch with where the base of the Republican Party is, except for the callers to our show. So I want to hear what you have to say, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. We're talking about the direction of the two parties, and we're talking about politics in 2023. Is it going to be something that gets anything done? Or is it going to be a lot of performative stunts like it looks like we're going to see tomorrow? Tomorrow is the day the 118th Congress comes in. Today is the day I'm honored to be filling in for James Golden. It's Anthony Weiner on the Boston Early Rush Hour, and we'll see you on the other side. This is the Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
host in early rush hour. Stuck in the middle with me. Is that Steeler's Wheel? I think it's Steeler's Wheel. That describes what Ken McCarthy is going through. I just want to once again express my gratitude. It's Anthony Weiner. Um, be here until 5 o'clock. Then John Katsimatidis comes in. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. You can follow me on Twitter or get reach out to me. At Rep Weiner, R-E-P-W-E-I-N-E-R. I think I'm being shadow banned, though. Weiner, W-A-B-C at gmail.com is my email. I just want to express my, my gratitude. You know, I've gotten a lot of feedback. Um, you know, the opportunity to fit in for to sit in for James Golden, a weekend guy. This is a big opportunity for me. And, you know, we... We've had Dominic has been on Lydia and and yet Bob Brown just crushing it doing the traffic like you know this is the this weekend period this vacation period it gives a lot of us a chance to spread our wings a little bit and um, James will be back this week don't worry <laughs> I hope you follow me on my show in the middle uh, on two to three on Saturdays I just want to express my gratitude a lot, a lot of people have reached out to say versions of I don't agree with you um. Um, and to say, give me feedback. And but I'm learning. I'm learning. And I really appreciate the chance. So we're going to take some calls now. A lot of people want to want to weigh in on this subject. We're talking about the future of politics in 2023, and the jumping off point is the election is going to be held tomorrow. Something that's described in the Constitution of the United States. The 118th Congress will be getting sworn in. It was 20. I think what is it? So it's 2023. I was yeah. So it's 22 years, 24 years ago. I was sworn in for my first time. I remember it like it's yesterday. It was such a such a heady time. All right, first let's go to Tony in Clifton, New Jersey. Tony, welcome back. Hi, how are you? Happy New Year. Same to you, Tony. Um, you know, this is getting very dicey, and I think when you mentioned the caller, this is a lot of this is new to me, so I'm just going through this for the first time. Um, but the caller who said that a lot of the fringes are trying to get in on what's going on, does that have to do with this vacating the seat business? So that the person, like right now, Nancy before Nancy Pelosi did not have that vacate the seat rule, so that in order for her, the speaker to be vacated, yeah, it's uh, a great, it's a great question. That's a part of the history that I, I left out. So there has always been a motion that you can bring to vacate the chair. It was never used, or it was hardly ever used. Like it's like if if, there, if the two parties were at each other's throat, someone might do it. Anytime you have a privileged motion. That means it's a motion that can be brought up at any time. So when – if you remember John Boehner, he was a speaker at a time in the rise of the Freedom Caucus, the rise of the Tea Party, and they used it as leverage to get rid of him. It's funny. Meadows, Mark Meadows, who, now, who was this, the uh, chief of staff to Donald Trump, actually was the one who brought the motion. And they stopped the entire Republican – I remember what the issue was, but basically they thought he was doing too many deals or trying to get stuff done that they didn't support. And this relatively small part of the Republican caucus, since they had this motion to make vacate the chair in their back pocket, was able to bring down Boehner and elevate Paul Ryan. So this has existed. The rule got changed under Nancy, but – only, only in a modest way to say that only members of the leadership can bring it up, not just e- any individual member, because there's really not a good use of it. Um, if you have a comfortable majority like Nancy had, it doesn't really matter. You, have, you, call, you vacate the chair, she, they have an election again, and then she gets reelected. The reason this is relevant today, and I appreciate Tony stopping on this point so that I could, um, so that I could explain it is the margin is so very, very close that you're always going to have four or five or six Republicans who are upset about something, right? So what they're saying is in order for us to vote for you, Kevin McCarthy, we need the rule change back so that any individual member can bring this motion. 
And Kevin McCarthy is rightly saying, in my view, rightly saying, well, that's like electing a speaker like for a week a, 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 on a day-by-day contract. That the, you, you won't be able to get anything done. Now, this may sound counterintuitive. Even if you're a moderate or conservative, you still want a strong speaker because they say that the other party is the opposition, but it's the Senate that's the enemy. You know, like if you want to be strong in negotiations with the president and the Senate, you need a strong speaker. And he decide, he he is correct in saying, well, if I let you guys have that, then I will be a, a completely a, a completely impotent speaker. And he doesn't he doesn't want to have that. I mean, and I I kind of get that. Um, next, let's go to Mark in Manhattan, who has an interesting take. Go ahead, Mark. Yes, uh, I believe that uh, you are one of the few people who may agree that not who should be speaker, but it's very likely that Hakeem Jeffries will be the speaker. No one's going to get a majority on the first few ballots. Someone's going to make a motion to allow the plurality that will get adopted. The cockamamie, uh crazy Republicans are still not going to vote for McCarthy. All the Democrats will vote for uh, Hakeem Jeffries, and he will become the new speaker. I'm not sure of this, but it's a good possibility, and you're one of the few people who I think can see this as a possibility. Yeah, I don't. I believe if there, it's an excellent question. I'm flipping through the Constitution now to see if there is any reference to whether it needs to be uh, how this needs to get done. I know the rules of the House, the precedent of the rules of the House dictate that it needs to be a majority and do dictate how it is, how, how this process is supposed to happen. But uh, while I don't think it'll be Hakeem Jeffries, here's who I think it might be, Mark. What about a former Republican who either lost this time or chose not to run, who is still popular with this You don't need to be a member of Congress. This is why I'm nominating I'm, – I, I nominated Bob Brown because I think he would be a great speaker. But the, the – you, you, but a former member of Congress who they all know who um, – or Donald Trump. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I would be surprised if it's Hakeem Jeffries because if you go to the plurality thing, I still think that McCarthy might have more votes than – Hakeem Jeffries. But it's an interesting idea. We are in uncharted territories. I mean, literally uncharted. There was a time back in the 1700s where it went a bunch of ballots, but I don't count that. This is um, this is a, a truly um, a truly exceptional time. Next is Max in Manhattan. Hey, Max, how are you today? Are you you still with us, Max? I'm more. No, I, I had uh, we we have we have Mark, but I think we needed Max in Manhattan. Max, you want to talk about oh, Santos? Can you hear me now? I got you, brother. That was our fault. Sorry about that. Okay, look, this thing uh, coming down on Santos is a bit too much. You had Biden, who's taken thirty-one million dollars from the Chinese. You have LeBron James, who's on the ticket with the Chinese, and everyone keeps coming down on Santos, and he and he he really hasn't done anything that was that's they far more. There are other politicians who've done things that are far worse than him. Okay, well, I look. I I happen to think he should be seated. I happen to think that he told a lot of lies, but lying isn't against the law. Now he might have done things that are against the law. I don't think he's going to make it to the end of his first term because they're going to do what they did in my case, which is just put so much pressure on him in terms of investigations that you can't afford, and he might have criminal charges. But I mean, I I get that. I mean, there is there is no evidence that Joe Biden got thirty one million dollars from the Chinese. But but I agree that he sh- this guy Santos should be seated, and I also agree. You know, look, I I think the guy's struggling. I think the guy really needs some help, and I don't believe that that piling on at this point 
is um, is 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 necessary anymore. Um, next, let's go to Steve in Long Island. Steve, what do you think about Mr. Santos? Hey, Anthony, how are you? It was uh, it was nice to see you and your dad at the Ferry Hawks meeting. I was wondering, um, how come you don't stand for the national anthem, and how are you allowed to be around children? How come I don't stand for the national anthem? I always stand for the national anthem. It's, I, I, it's one of the things I take great pride in doing. Mike in New Jersey. Mike, go ahead. How you doing, Anthony? I'm doing well, Mike. Um, well, the guy two callers ahead of me kind of stole my thunder, but when when if veracity is the qualification for being uh in congress i i just don't uh i just don't get it i mean you got people like elizabeth warren i mean she's whiter than william the conqueror okay <laughs> and she spent you know she spent uh i mean she basically built her entire professional career on uh on the lie that she was uh, a Cherokee Indian. But Mike, can I ask you a question? Can I ask you? I, I get it. I get it. People have said things that were not true. I I resigned from Congress for lying. I get it. I know you did. No, no, but I I get it. I I just want to. I just want to. I I think we should be able to say that just because other people lied doesn't mean what this guy did. I don't. I believe the guy should be sworn in. I don't believe. Right. I I I don't believe. And Mike, you know, raises the obvious point. Like, well, what are we going to do? We're going to start giving lie detector tests to members of Congress. I don't happen to think that politicians lie any more than than other people do because they have a lot more accountability and they have a lot more people looking over their shoulders, et cetera. But that doesn't mean they don't. I do think, however, we're capable of saying that one guy's worse than another. Like, that, it's not, you know, I, I have this conversation with my friends all the time. Like, this whole list of what about that guy? What about this guy? What about that? We can do both. We can say that. Joe Biden has said things that weren't true. We can say that Bill Clinton lied. We can say that Anthony Weiner lied about 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 something he was embarrassed by. We can say all these things. But we can also say that this guy did a whole it was like a whole bunch of things and could potentially have violated the law. But I believe that it's the voters that get to decide that stuff. And you can say, well, the voters didn't know. That's on them. That's on the local. You can blame the newspapers. You can blame um, the politicians that didn't run against them a hard enough campaign. And it, now that they know about these things, just like we report the Joe Biden's um, gaffes, we, we report other people saying things that are not true, the voters are going to get a chance to decide. Now, the one exception to that rule is the following. If he did things that were not, that were lies on paper in documents that he filed and committed an oath to, he could get prosecuted, and I don't think he's immune from prosecution. Just, I mean, he's not immune from that if he did something. Now, if they try to indict him for an FEC filing where he wrote something that was $199, it was actually $215, I don't think they, – they, they've never done that before. I mean, but who knows? Here's what's going to happen is that both McCarthy or whoever the speaker is, Jeffries, who leads the Repul Democrats, are going to announce a joint ethics investigation – his lawyer is going to go to him and say, you've got to go raise a million dollars to fend this investigation off. It's all you're going to do for two years. It's all your colleagues are going to be reading about. It's all that your constituents are going to be reading about, and you can't afford it. And I think he's going to decide that he may, he, he may resign for the good of his family, for the good of his future. I don't know. But I, th I, think, you, I think you do see him. Lying is not against the law. It's bad. You shouldn't do it. And I shouldn't have done it. That's why I resigned. 
It's Anthony Weiner filling in for James Golden in the Boston Early Rush Hour. So great to have you along. We're talking about the future of politics. We're going to take some more calls when we get back. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. I'm so grateful for being here, and we'll see you on the other side. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is The Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Anthony Weiner filling in for James Golden. Welcome back to the Boston Early Rush Hour. We're here until 5 o'clock, and John Katsimatidis comes in with his great crew, and they go through the issues of the day. We're talking about the future of the Democratic and Republican parties in 2023. We're talking about Kevin McCarthy, a little bit of Santos talk. I am, you know, I'm pretty much done with the Santos talk, but if you guys want to keep talking about it, I'm, I'm he's going to get sworn in tomorrow. All the attention he's going to get is going to be resented by his colleagues, and we'll move on, hopefully, to more important things. Um, let's go to Bob in Freehold. Hey, Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, uh, good afternoon. Uh, you know, uh, your show and uh, the, your persona, the way you present yourself as a moderate, I, I don't know. Last week I heard you uh, uh, have a discussion with uh, some uh, lefty uh, uh, commentator from Politico regarding uh, the January 6th stuff. I, I, I was on the boat was on the bow uh, the bow hour you were covering for him and you both you guys uh, you said it too referred to the armed insurrection of january 6th you know the only arms there were in the in the capitol police and the metropolitan police uh the uh, uh lieutenant burke used a firearm and killed uh, the ashley uh, woman bob what about the and, what about the people that uh, well, pled hang guilty on, hang on hang on hang on and uh, and a uh, washington dc female police officer Used a baton and and ended up killing a what about a female, Bob? Uh, Bob, a female demonstrator in the uh, tunnel. Bob, and, but you know, but what about what about all the people that pled guilty to to um to to, to having weapons? Who had weapons at the scene? The, oh, these the, the people that 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 pled guilty to were, to to insurrection. They were they had the weapons in a hotel and who knows who they were involved with the January sixth. They, I don't know. What they, they, were found, about. they were they found were found guilty. The they were found guilty they by. Were, I don't care. I, I don't care what they were found. Well, if you don't DC, care, but they weren't. If you don't care, if if you don't care, it's not a great conversation. But they were found guilty, and many and we had we had over nine hundred people pled guilty. Many of them had weapons. There were weapons all over the place. Just read the January sixth report. Um, next is uh, uh, next is Doc. Am I getting this right, Doc in Brooklyn? Go ahead, Doc. You got it. Yes, Doc from Brooklyn, from Marine Park. You were my congressman. I always liked you. It's nice of you to uh, say. Welcome. Good question, though. Yes. Uh, if Santos should resign, who picks his successor? Is that by the governor, who could pick a Democrat to fill his seat, or and that changes the balance, or is it just stay vacant until the uh, next election? It's an excellent question, Dr. S. You see, that's what's great about taking calls. People, I assume, yeah. So here's what would happen. 
Vacancy occurs. Once a vacancy occurs, the governor can, uh, has to call a special election. What's interesting about the special election is there's no primary. The the Republican uh, Republican uh, committee of Nassau and Queens chooses a nominee. The Democratic committee of Nassau and Queens probably chooses the guy Zimmerman who lost last time. And then there is a special election, and the question is, um, and it's going to be, it's always at a time when there is nothing else on the ballot. That's what a special election is all about. And probably, probably the Democrat would win. But if he makes it, if Santos makes it two years, he probably runs in a, he probably gets beaten in a primary by a Republican. So I think Santos's time is is waning. But but I think what Doc asked about is a fairly likely scenario. I think that's probably like uh, um, that's probably uh, uh, likely to happen. Hey, I just want to be you know. Listen, we only have a couple more minutes here, um, and maybe I was too abrupt with the with the previous caller. And one of the things I tried to do is to you know, there was a saying in my program, you know, that you know uh, um, to, to promptly admit when you've done something wrong and try to make amends for it. He was making the point that I'm not moderate because I don't I believe in the January sixth report, et cetera. Um, I don't claim to be, you know, I don't think anyone should ever participate in political debates leaving their political ideology completely at the door. I do think what I've been trying to say in this conversation about how the fringes have controlled too much influence is that you can bring your ideology to the table but also understand it's not a sin to compromise on stuff. It is not a vice to be able to work something out. You know, when I did the show about immigration last week, I said that I supported the building of the wall and I got all my you know, friends emailing me, you know, what's happened to me, where have I gone wrong? No, it's because I believe that we all have to have elements that we say, I'm prepared to compromise on this if you compromise on that. And that's the that's the point of me. And if 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 someone believes, well, in order to, to have any conversation, you have to be an ideologue on the left to the right. I believe that's fundamentally the problem that we have in our country. And you, you see it now playing out with the Kevin McCarthy election. But now that we have a 50 a 50 Senate, a 50 50 House, essentially, a, fi, a, a presidential elections that are all now decided within, you know, four or five million in a, in a country of 300 million. If we are not prepared to have conversations that the premise is, I'll give a little if you will, it's not a vice. Compromise is not a vice. Then if we're not prepared to have conversations like that, I don't think we're going to thrive as a country the way we have in the past. And that's the, that's the point I make. But I, 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 I apologize if I was too snippy, if I came off, you know. I do believe you should never say this phrase. I don't care what you think. I do care what you think, and I really appreciate the opportunity to be with you. Coming up next at 5 o'clock, John Katsimatidis with Cats at Night. Please stick around for him, and a happy new year to all of you that are still celebrating. I really appreciate you joining us. Stick around.